Great day, family. Welcome to today's reading of A.A. Grapevine and other spiritual readings to get our high on with our higher power. we got to hook up with the Most High and be the best we could by listening, listening intently to other people's experiences and what our higher power is, is conveying, telling us today, this day. Let us make the best day ever this Thursday. Welcome, welcome. I will greet you and I welcome you. Thank you for coming in here. Appreciate your ears, your ears. Let us go ahead and open this session with our serenity prayer place. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 16th of December, Daily Reflections. We are partners in recovery, family. Our reading from today is from Alcoholics Anonymous, page 89 and 100. It says, Nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intense work with other alcoholics. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Nothing, absolutely nothing will so much ensure in immunity from drinking as intensive work excuse me with other alcoholics both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress follow the dictates that dictates people of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances And doing the right thing for the right reasons. This is my way of controlling my selfishness and self-centeredness. Doing the right things for the right reasons. I realize that my dependency on a higher power clears the way for peace of mind, happiness, and sobriety. I pray each day that I will avoid my precious, my previous actions so that I will be helpful to others. Fernando, alcoholic, a couple of words stand out right here. Dictates. Follow the dictates. Again, following the dictates is planting myself in the grass, butt naked, no, barefooted, and waiting with pen and paper for the dictates of a higher power. Actually, it's called intelligence and waiting on common sense to come dancing before us and writing all the dictates of common sense and we will presently live in a new wonderful world no matter what your present circumstance our problem is that we're not thinking I'm not thinking strong enough to uh, say for instance I got to go across town as a professional truck driver I used to notice that as a young man when I didn't write down some streets I was going to be passing by and some major intersections and then what my destination is and and then have an 
overall view of what where my delivery was going to be, especially a place that I never been to. Uh, and I would write it on a little stickum and stick it on my dash. After a while, <clears throat> I was able to to make a a map of all my drops. You know, utilizing the best you know drop offs, dropping off and then picking up. When I when I would got two in a hurry and I left without the map and without taking a half hour to go back of the trailer, sit down, look at all the resources that I had to deliver, and make my my plan of action in the trailer and back of the trailer while other truck drivers just took off like the bat of the hell. They took off. I did my studying, and I would have a comfortable, wonderful life. It's the same thing today, folks. Say, for instance, we have a, a big uh, dinner coming up, you know, somebody's birthday. So we need to write it down, um, pray about it, and continue to pray till this. So it will be smooth intervention, especially with our loved ones. Um, writing down, you say, well, I'll just go when it comes. There's a big difference about writing it down and then praying about it and thinking about it and planning. Well, look what happened the last time. We were late at the last minute. We had to grab this, grab that, this and that, and everything, remember? And as we're getting older, that happens more and more frequency. I got a, a luncheon tomorrow with my brothers and sisters and family and... To not make things confusing, we usually choose a a restaurant, and the person that has the birthday, they choose the restaurant. But my older brother, right away, he put in his uh, favorite restaurant, and because it's convenient to my sister, I I said, okay. But you know what kind of restaurant it is. Last time we were there, cocktails, I'll have a beer, I'll have a drink, and my brother's got to go to work, and he's... uh, uh, well, I won't break his anonymity, but, uh, you know, he's he's just a functioning alcoholic. Uh, I was telling him that I was visiting uh, road camps and uh, juvenile halls, and, and one I asked him, hey, if you get sober, you can come and, vi- and go with me someday and go talk to the kids, you know. Like, we were in that road camp, my brother and I. He went first, and I, went, I followed him. He had a great history of, of a fighter, you know, it's, I heard a lot of stories about him. And um, he he called me one day and he said, he calls me Fernie. Fernie! Hey! I, I can go with you now. He goes, I stopped drinking. I go, all right, brother, that's wonderful. He goes, yeah, I only drink beer. <laughs> he hasn't gone with me yet and he hasn't stopped drinking his beer. Anyway, I'll get a chance tomorrow, so I'm going to pray and and be ready for that, you know, and push back the spirits of alcohol because there they will be spirits uh, dissipating in the in the atmosphere. There, they come out of the glass and they and they fall on my on my thrilling of open uh, pores in my skin. So I'm going to wear a long, uh, long sleeve, okay, and be well, and be well watered, and go in there and and love on them, and tell how much I appreciate my brothers and sisters, 
in this life that we've been in. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to me. I have no one here but you. I'm sure you have similar stories. God bless you. God care for you. Thank you. I'm glad I'm an alcoholic. Best thing that had ever happened to me. Got the, the snot beat out of me. Let's go ahead and move on to our second reading. Uh, let's go ahead and finish this little talk I had with the Our Father, please. Uh, pray with me for uh, tomorrow's. Uh, let us pray the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, <clears throat> thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. Hey, I'm not done yet. Don't go nowhere. Those of you that have to go to work, fine. God bless you. But I'm going to be reading a portion of the grapevine right here. It'll only take about five minutes. You don't want to miss this one. This is called, What's Going On? Greetings. This is from our October 1993 grapevine. And it's sent to us by FL from Terrace Bay, Ontario. God bless the people of Ontario. Thank you. The article is called, What's Going On? In a strange city, tired from too many miles of driving and looking forward to the boost that comes from AA Fellowship, I entered the unfamiliar meeting room where several little clusters of people were engaged in animated conversation. As I entered, two or three members quickly detached themselves from their groups, approached me, and introduced themselves, vigorously pumping my hand, obviously satisfied that their greeting course had been carried out. They hurried back to their friends to resume their socializing. I was left standing there, admittedly well-greeted, but feeling somewhat abandoned. A veteran of hundreds of meetings, good ones and better ones, there are no bad ones. I had no trouble finding the coffee pot. It was almost time for the meeting to begin. Selecting a choice vantage point from the still empty rows of chair, I reasoned that a friendly soul would sit beside me with whom I could strike up a conversation. Alas, the two chairs on either side of me remained consistently vacant during the entire meeting. This speaker was excellent, but my mind tended to wander to what's ifs, what ifs. What if this had been my first contact ever with Alcoholic Anonymous? What if I had been on a dry drunk, full of self-pity and resentment, looking for an excuse to slip? After the meeting, the cluster reformed, standing at the edge of a little group which did not acknowledge my presence, I finished my coffee as I made my way to the door. I bade everyone good night. No one answered. Another city, another meeting, two days later, the same introduction, the same handshakes, but there... The similarity ended. There were obviously no appointed greeters. All members seemed to take responsibility for welcoming the newcomer. There were tactful phrases, yet insistent questions. New in town? What brings you here? First meeting? How long have you been around the program? 
When they were satisfied, I was not in crisis. I was given a directory of local meetings and member contacts to provide transportation if needed. When we sat down, I became part of a happy group of people, laughing, talking, sharing. After the meeting, there was more of the same, and I stayed until the end, helping to clean up and enjoying the hospitality. Where were these meetings? It's not important. What is important is that I go to meetings to learn, to take away something of value when I leave. These two experiences made me keenly aware of my responsibility to make the newcomer or stranger feel part of the group. And they demonstrated to me in a practical way how and and how not to do so. Woohoo! <clears throat> and a lot of us have had that experience, especially me. Especially me. Because <laughs> now I'm talking. Because <clears throat> I got the mic. The... Um, my experience was um, in, uh, I was in a strange city, and I went to uh, a city there, and I went to a meeting early. Actually, I couldn't sleep. <clears throat> I had, you know, the meeting started at 6.30 in the morning. I was there at 4.30, folks. I went to the 7-Eleven and got my coffee. Then I went another 10, 11 miles to the other city for the meeting. I was visiting some relatives. And I said, I might as well go park and rest a little or meditate or read my, uh, my, my resources I have with me. And, uh, and lo and behold, the meeting room is open. And they got a stereo system blasting, Concord Fellowship, Concord, California. And I said, what is it? It was cleanup day of the month. <clears throat> they open at 4.30, put a stereo on, everybody grab, grabs them up, and they start dancing. Wow, God knew exactly what I needed. I got in there and I started mopping and cleaning tables and laughing and joking. And <clears throat> some great fellows made me feel comfortable and asked me all kinds of questions. Same thing like this guy. After a while, they, they gave me a medallion that said Concord Fellowship. They gave me a little picture that I, I you know, of uh, Bill and Bob talking to the guy on the uh, alcoholic bed. Bill Dawson. It was a wonderful experience. And to this day, when I go over there, they'll call on me and share. They say, you know, the guy from so-and-so. <clears throat> and uh, I used to, uh, because that's, uh, I used to say, well, I still do, to get them to boo me. I'll say, I'm Fernando, alcoholic. I'm from the Los Angeles Dodger area. And you can hear all those uh 49er fans or whatever up Northern California, there was about 85 of them, they'll go, boo, boo, <clears throat> in a very loving way. And we have a lot of laughs. Life couldn't be any sweeter, guys. Getting phone numbers, working with new people, uh, new people coming up to you and talking to you. They think you have the answer and you are you got the, the, the chemical to... And sometimes you do. You have the right answers. You say, protect your sobriety. Don't let emotional family put anything on your plate. You're running fine. You're doing good. You're making efforts, strides. They don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to get up early. They don't want to study. But they want to cling on to you because you're studying and you're moving forward. 
Protect your sobriety from crazies. All right. Thank you. You can go to work now. I'll be right back. I'm going to switch horses here right now. We're going to get into our our spiritual uh, part of our higher power this session. Thank you so much for listening in. I'll be right back. 30 seconds. Welcome back to Fate to Fate Daily Devotional. I took my shot of coffee. Uh, a sponsor bought me a coffee for the meeting when I make a meeting at the coffee at the park. He uses uh, his government funds to uh, to help the, the program. Isn't that great? Okay, December the sixteenth, Kenny Copeland. Run him out of town. Woohoo! Our scripture for today is taken from the Amplified Bible is Ephesians 6, 14 through 15. It says, Stand, therefore, having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Again, stand you, therefore, having your feet prepared to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6, 14-15. Preparation when it comes to fighting spiritual battles that's word you'll do well to remember. That's a word you we will do well to remember. Most believers don't pay much attention to it. They don't prepare themselves in advance. They fiddle around until the devil makes his move. Then they jump up and they try to fight with the word and they usually lose. I used to do the same thing until the Lord taught me differently. I used to wait until my meetings began began to pray for their success. As they began, then I started praying for their success. As Satan would come against, the disease would come then and from one direction, I fight him there. Then the disease would come around and attack me in another area, and I fight him there. <clears throat> one day, the Lord showed me that by waiting until the last minute to take my stand, I was giving Satan the disease time to build up his forces against me. And consequently, I was losing many of my battles. Then the Lord said something to me I'll never forget. He said, if they had kicked Al Capone out of Chicago when he was just a small-time operator, he wouldn't have been so hard to handle. But they waited until he became a first-class criminal with his forces built up around him. Then it took an army to bring him down. When I heard that, I made up my mind never to be caught unprepared again. I started praying about these meetings weeks in advance. 
getting the stakes set spiritually before they ever happen. Instead of letting Satan get his forces entrenched, I started throwing him out before he got a single foothold. When I did, I saw more victories than I ever had before. Don't let the devil catch you off guard. Don't let the disease catch you off guard. Be prepared. Start praying and speaking the promises, the word of faith. Now over your family, your meetings, your business, your church, get your fuel, feet shot, prepared, preparation of the gospel of peace. Then if Satan, the disease causes trouble, you'll be well equipped to run him out of town. Woohoo! Beautiful reading. And that, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 12 to 21, is Jesse sends David to Saul's camp. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephratite from Bethlehem. In the land of Judah, Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliabab, Abinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him, huh, shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has ordered a, a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. <clears throat> wow. David asked a soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine again and ending his defiance of Israel? <clears throat> who is the pagan Philistine anyway? that he allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's older brother Eliabab had heard David talking to them, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. 
What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, said Saul. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When the lion or the bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I, I go after it. I go after it with a club. I just knocked my coffee down, swinging my arms around. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy, ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here, lad, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, for the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Wow. As Goliath moved closer to David, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurtled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. David triumph over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheet. David used it to kill and cut off his head. 
Wow. We put that, let's put that in our tea and drink it. Incredible story. David and Goliath. And I'm Fernando, alcoholic. I see the disease. <clears throat> Anything that would move up against God, God says, that is my battle. So we got to get out of the way. Thank God for the test. <clears throat> Thank God for the disease coming at you. Uh, what does it look like? It looks like self-pity. It looks like uh, pressure to get your gifts. It looks like anything that's, that's trying to get on your plate. Just give the plate over to God. Says, here, God, take this. Turn it over. Let God take care of it. As we're going to read in uh, Proverbs right now, right we're going to read Proverbs 16 and Psalm 16 and take a look at how to turn it over. I got to move over to the uh, English translation. I thought I had this ready. Oh, here. Maybe I do. Proverbs 16. And then we're going to cap it with Psalm 16, which is a beautiful psalm. Here we go. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Here we go. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Verse 3. You know, another people says, put the things you're thinking about on the hands of the Lord and your and your thoughts will be established. Now the word established meaning it's a blessing from heaven and it will kind of like answered prayer it will succeed. So for us it's to being good communicators or turning this stuff over to our higher power that can handle any situation that's coming at us. I've been practicing this all week long you know, when I have overbearing sponsees or or, uh, or or relatives want for you to go pick up a very uh, a, an object, and you have to humble yourself and bite your lip and go help because you're, you know, you want their. Uh, they don't normally do that. You know, I have I have to have a good attitude. I commit my actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. I'm going over there today. I went there yesterday. I went there last week. All right. <laughs> Commit your actions. I wanted to read it in the Amplified, see if I can, that particular one. It says right here, and God said, oh no, it went all the way to Genesis. And God said that we're to say, we're to say God's words, by the way. The Amplified says, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust him wholly to him. Whoo. That takes a skill and it takes a grown-up to do that, an intelligent person to do that. To roll them wholly to Him and leave them there. Roll your works upon the Lord. The more I work with people, the more this goes right over their heads. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. So the problem, and so shall your plans be established, there's the word, and succeed. So once they're established through prayer, you ask, they will succeed because they're coming in from heaven. Okay, the Lord has made everything to accommodate itself and contribute to his own end and his own purpose. 
Even the wicked are fitted for the role for the day of calamity and evil. I'm going to have to turn this off and clean up that coffee. That's the point for today. Roll your works on the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Okay. And let me real quick like read Psalm 16 because it, it is a beautiful psalm. It's a poem of David. It's intended to record memorable thoughts. Wow. It says, Keep and protect me, O God, for in you I have found refuge, and in you do I put my trust and hide myself. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good beside or beyond you. As for the godly, the saints who are in the land, they are excellent and noble, and the glorious in whom is all my delight. There's our fellowship people right here. As for the fellowship, the saints who are in the land, they are the excellent, the noble, and the glorious, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who choose another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion, my cup. You hold and maintain my lot. The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion, my cup. You hold and maintain my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yeah, I have a good heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Yes, my heart instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory, my inner self, rejoices. My body, too, shall rest and confidently dwell in safety. For you will not abandon me to shallow the place of the dead. Neither will you suffer your Holy One to seek corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Thank you, family, for coming in here. Uh, I pray you have a wonderful day today. Give them heaven. Let's pray out with the uh, third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. We're going to be doing some reading of the big book. We're going to start it off with the serenity prayer and then the set-aside prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. The set-aside prayer. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you Everything I think I know about myself, 
Everything I think I know about others and everything I think I know about recovery, my own for a new experience in you, Lord, for a new experience in myself, for a new experience in my fellow man, and a much-needed experience in my recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and start at page 24, where it's on the big book of AA. It says, the fact is that most alcoholics, for a reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation uh, even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequence that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with, with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps you're going to think at all how some of us have some of us begun to drink in a nonchalant way after third voice pounding on the bar said, well, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, it's up in a sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? But this sort of thinking is fully established an individual with alcohol agency may probably place himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up may die and go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts may be confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many of us want to stop, I cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the living of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we have come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the, the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we have not even dreamed. The, this great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our life today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you're seriously alcoholic, you want to believe there's no middle of resolution. We are in a position where life is becoming impossible, and if we have to pass through a region of which there is no return, through human aid, we have the two alternatives, one to go out to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of an intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other is to accept spiritual help. This uh, we did because we honestly wanted to or really make the effort. Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness. Selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of all trouble. We're driven by having forms of self-delusion, self-seeking, self-giddy. We step on our toes or our fellows may retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us. Sometimes, soon without provocation, we are apparently fighting that there is some time in the past that we've had made decisions based on ourselves which they are put in a position to be hurt. 
So our troubles, we think, are basically our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run right. Though he usually doesn't think so, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there are often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant art through which we pass through freedom. Interesting ourselves only on our little plans of design and more and more became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt the new flower flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind, discovered which we could face life successfully. We became conscious of a presence when we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter. We were reborn. We're now on step three. Many of us said to our maker, when we understood of God, I offer myself to thee, build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, and, and I better do thy will. Make use, uh, make take care of, take away my difficulties that I can picture over them. <clears throat> May I bear witness to those who would help me of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, uh, making sure that we were ready to, we could ask them, abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. <clears throat> when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strike as I go off from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 86, please. On awakening, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonors, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. Well, and thinking about it, Dave, we, we may face indecision with me, uh, not able to determine which course to take. Here's what we ask for God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax, we take it easy, we do not struggle. We are also often surprised how right answers come after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunch of occasional inspiration gradually becomes part, working part of the mind. Being still an experience we have just made conscious contact with God, we are probably that we will going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for the presumption of all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Never, nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, 
be more and more on the plane of inspiration we've come to rely upon her. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer to be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstance warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few said prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause with an agitated or doubtful. We ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Uh, humbly say to ourselves, many times each day, that will be done. We are then much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, foolish decisions. We must become, we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to raise our lives to suit ourselves. Uh, page 416, please. We have a great deal to be convinced that alcoholism was diseased on a moral issue. I had been drinking the result of a compulsion, and even though I had not been aware of this compulsion at the time, and sobriety was not a matter of willpower, though, people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, and I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something at last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it is all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said all the world is and all the men are women are really players. We forgot to mention I was a true critic. I was always able to see a flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection just as I did. AA acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And that we all are God's children, and we all are children of God, and we each have the right to be here. 
when I complain about you, uh, when I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. Okay, let's go ahead and and move over to uh, page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rise try to move in and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God, and I never just sit around you waiting for Him to tell me what to do. I, or rather, I do whatever's in front of me that needs to be done, and I leave the results up to Him. However, it may turn out that's God's will for me. I must keep my magic by my mind on my acceptance and off my expectations, where my serenity level is directly proportional to the level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for it. Amen. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness. You will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find that you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need I get and when I get what I need I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100 please. You and a new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If we persist, more remarkable things will happen. When you look back and we realize that there are things which came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hands were more, more better than anything that we could have ever plan. Follow the decades of a higher power, and you will finally presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Page 83, please. We are painting about this phase of our development. We will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom, a new happiness, and we will not regret the past nor shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experiences can benefit others, and the feeling of usefulness and self pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellow self seeking will slip away our whole attitude. 
and outlook upon life will change. We fear fear of people in economic security will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle our situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these describing promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. We will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. Uh, page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. But we must go further, and that means more actions. Oh, page 42, please. (laughs) 42? Uh, Yeah. Oh, 43, 43. I'm already thinking ahead. What's worse, certain times, at at certain times, as we have mental defense against us for certain Except for a fewer cases, neither nor any other human being that provides such defense. This defense must come from a higher power. DN. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for coming in here. Give them heaven. I hope to see you tomorrow. All right. Remarkable things are happening. Take care now. All right. Take care, bro. Bye, everyone. Bye, Anthony. Bye. All right, let's go ahead and finish off with the uh, the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Welcome to today's podcast. Greetings, greetings, Fernando, alcoholic. Actually, I'm a member of Al-Anon. Let's go ahead and read some of the uh, Al-Anon books and 24-hour for a day, please. December the 16th. Progress, not perfection, folks. Progress, not perfection. And the word uh, progress has gross in it. And the P R O, the suffixes or whatever they call it, 
Meaning say something good for the mess. That's what I think that's what the word progress means. You know, you're pushing through a mire of mud. You're progressing. Grass, it's, it's tough. So we're progressing, you know. We're getting up early. We're listening to good words of, of recovery. <clears throat> I am a grateful member of Al-Anon. Actually, I'm a secretary of Al-Anon. I'm a secretary of AA. I, uh, when I get the chance and I go visit relatives, I go to NA and I work with NAers. I have contact with Overeaters Anonymous, Battle of the Bulge program. And uh, I should be in uh, other ones, but I don't have time, like Gamblers Anonymous, you know. I play a dollar. <laughs> the next five weeks, I got a dollar in each play. Get a hold of me if I win. All right, let's go ahead and open up with God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, appreciate your membership in the fellowship and right standing. Here we go. Our first book for today, Batter Up, is One Day at a Time in Elnon. At the bottom, it says, listen, read, think. Listen, read, think. You, sa- you says, Elnan, to those who really want a better way of life, of living. You says, <laughs> of Elnan, to those who really want a better way of living. Listen, read, think. <clears throat> Here we go. That's progress. There are super optimists who imagine that Elon has a magic formula for curing all life's ills. There are super optimists. A weekly hour for a meeting, they think, and all will be well. A situation in which the lives and sanity of an entire family are at stake is not so easily solved. But the super optimist resolutely clings to the illusion that Elon can fix everything. It fixes nothing. That is up to us. Not in the once-a-week meeting alone, but with plenty of in-between reading, constant recall of the principles, and constant use. Elendon does have the formula, but it is we who must use it. Progress, people. Today's reminder. Changing our whole way of thinking is a monumental task, not to be taken lightly. But many thousands of members can testify that it's the most rewarding and self-serving activity ever devised for curing sick family relationships. Listen, read, and think. And I might add, write. Write your meetings ahead of time and pray for them. And look to put them on paper. That's my objective. All right, courage to change, please. December the 16th. I was convinced that I had to take care of everything and everybody. I had no choice, but with the deep, with the help of Elon, I have learned that while I do have responsibilities, there are also many things I do not have to do. I don't have to understand everything. Some things are not my business, and others will simply never make sense to me. Ah. 
I don't have to be reluctant to show my feelings. When I'm happy, I can get into it. When I'm not, I can turn to my Elon friends who helped me to grow through the tough times. I don't have to feel threatened by the future. I can take life one day at a time. I don't have to feel guilty about the past with the help of the steps, especially eight and nine. I can make amends and learn from the mistakes I have made. I don't have to feel, I don't have to feel alone. I can go to a meeting or pick up the phone. There's always somebody to reach out to in Elon. I don't have to take responsibility for other people's choices. They have their own higher power to help them make their decisions. I don't have to take responsibility for other people's choices, folks. I don't have to give up on my hopes and dreams. My higher power is not limited by my lack of imagination. Beautiful, beautiful reading. You heard it right here, folks. Powerful, powerful structured words for us to gleam on and plant them in our minds and our heads. Our higher power, <clears throat> you know, the other day, Fernando Allen on her, <laughs> Allen on her, the other day I took off for a walk and I was, I was making a podcast and I was saying, you know, God hits the, the home runs for us and he allows me to run the, the bases as long as I give him the credit, you know, if I'm long as he'll hit a home run for me and I'll run from first base, second base, third base. And I kept using the illustration that uh, the greatest uh, home run hitter had a lot of failure, right? He's the greatest uh, strikeout hitter too. Huh, what a coincidence. So life is about failing, but thanking God for the failure because it propels us forward. And uh, so God hits the home runs for me. I thank God when I miss it and I don't beat myself up anymore. That was the primary thing, emotionally, sickly, revengeful. I'm going to make mistakes. So I have to start practicing thanking God that I, mess, I make mistakes. Thanking God and don't take myself too seriously. I am a human being trying good to do good progress every day. And it's working, folks. It's working. It's well the other day I took out for a walk. I said, Well, like for for instance, I need to get out there and walk at least 20 minutes and make it fun and make the gratitude walk. Start wiggling the fingers, the toes, the buttocks, and everything else, and get those the chemicals flowing in the proper direction. Count my blessings, you know, gratitude walk. You know, just thank God for everything that's working, you know, the pancreas, you know, the liver and that quivers, your liver that quivers. Okay, De December 16th for today. Anyway, I forgot to say, I, f I found a little a band on the floor that said, you know, you put on your wrist a rubber band, the one they give you. You find them at a... Uh, it says, home run. <laughs> exactly what I was just talking about. I have it on right now. That's why I remember to tell you. I found a little rubber uh, wristband that says, home run. Again, what we think about, what we talk about, is going to come about. What we think about, what we talk about, is going to come out, come about. 
We are no different than farmers, folks. We listen to good words, and they, we spill a good life comes out on the other side. <clears throat> what is in your hopper? Hope for today book. I had a job in my alcoholic family, and I learned it very well. The job was to keep silent about what was happening in my home and how I felt about it. I became an adolescent with no coping skills. Gradually, so much pain and anger built up inside me that I had to find some way to relieve it. My alcoholic parents' reservoir of coping skills was virtually non-existent, so they had no way to recognize that I was going through what I was going through, let alone help me through it. Left to my own devices, I escaped through food. Only later, when I started coming to Elnon, did I realize that my use of food was very similar in motive and pattern to my parents' use of alcohol. First, Elnon taught me through the step four process that it was all right for me to identify my buried emotions and to allow myself to feel them. Step five encouraged me to share the results of this emotional inventory with another trusted person and I chose my sponsor. These steps helped me clear pain from my heart and fill that space with something healthy. Today, instead of eating when I feel anxiety or some other uncomfortable emotion, I choose to use an Elnon tool. I call my sponsor or another Elnon friend. Sometimes I read from Elnon literature to calm my soul. Occasionally, I sign up for volunteering as a monthly chairperson. I pick up a few names and numbers from my phone list to offer words of hope to a hurting newcomer. I can't always control my pain, but I can choose what I do to heal it. I can't always control my pain, but I can choose what to do to heal it. Thought for the day. What coping behaviors do I have to soothe my pain? What's in my toolbox? Are they really helping me? Are my tools really helping me? Or do, do, okay, I'll stop there. I've learned a lot about coping with my feelings and making my life better, living today in Altine. I've learned a lot about coping with my feelings and making my life better. Amen. Thanking God when I messed up is the biggest in my emotional, my biggest accomplishment this year is not to beat myself up. I am going to make mistakes, a lot of them, if I want an abundant life, guys. You know, try making a trip to Hawaii <laughs> and see how many little details there are. And you know how many, but we, we do for the fun of it. We put up. It's part of the journey, getting through all the requirements and loosening up the uh, purse to enjoy yourself. Okay, uh, one more reading for today, please. 24 hours a day, December the 16th, AA Thought for the Day. The way of the program is the way of faith. We don't get the full benefit of the program until we surrender our lives to some power greater than ourselves and trust that power to give us the strength we need. There is no better way for us. We can get sober without it. We can stay sober 
for some time without it. But if we are going to truly live abundantly, we must take the way of faith in God. That is the path for us. We must follow it. Have I taken the way of faith? Meditation for today. Life is not a search for happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of living the right kind of life, of doing the right thing. Do not search for happiness. Search for right living and happiness will be your reward. Life is sometimes a march of duty during dull, dark days, but happiness will come again as God smiles of recognition of your faithfulness. True happiness is always the byproduct of a life well lived. Prayer for day. I pray that I may not seek happiness, but seek to do right. I pray that I may not seek pleasure so much as the things that bring true happiness. Merry Christmas, family. I love you. God bless you. Give them heaven. Let's pray out with a third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy way, thy will. Grant me success as I go out and do your bidding. <laughs> I think I lost it. God bless you. Have a great time. Give them heaven, family.